2: I love scotch, I love scotch, scotchy scotch scotch, here it goes down, down into my belly. Mm mess with me, I'm one crazy moofoo.
0: SignatureHorror.com. That's right, SignatureHorror.com. Holy Interviews,
2: Batman! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You're listening to Crazy Train Radio, Wowie Zowie Citizens. It's fantastic!
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages We have on the phone Someone who is very, very well known For an iconic role in being the first of said role But also in later years Up until most recent I shouldn't say still But he is continuing to try to do wonders for animals And if you want to check that out you can check out his charity of Gentle Giants. And the website's com. The man on the phone, Robin himself, Bert Ward. Bert, how you doing?
2: Hello, citizen.
1: How are we doing, sir?
2: Very good, citizen.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Before we get into the acting and all the fun stuff, Gentle Giants. What can you tell me about it? How long has it been around? What's the goal? All that fun stuff.
2: Okay. For the last 26 years, my wife and I have rescued more than 15,500 dogs. Every one of those dogs would have been put to death if we hadn't been there to save them, usually on the last day before they're put to sleep on an animal shelter. And primarily the larger breeds and and giant breeds like Great Danes, St. Bernard's, Irish Wolfhounds, Although throughout the years we keep adding and adding, and now we have dogs as small as two pounds all the way up to almost 300 pounds. But we rescue these dogs because they're, they're, otherwise they would be put to death. In the course of saving so many lives, because giant breeds particularly live short lifespans in the past, seven to nine years, and because when we would lose one, it was so devastating, my wife and I spent a tremendous amount of time and money to develop feeding and care program to help them live longer, and a new kind of dog food called Gentle Giants, which is different from every other dog food. And we've been very successful. Our dogs now are living up to 27 and a half years, running around like puppies in their mid-20s, okay? And and this is all breeds. It's not just large breeds. It can be any breed of dog. And, and our dog food, I mean, people are just going crazy because now they can have their dog two or three times longer. Uh, And, you know, we're we're talking about adding an extra 10 years or more to a dog's life and keeping them healthier. So because of of this, we now have been able to be very successful to get our our General Giants dog food in Walmarts across the country and Target, uh, across the country Target stores, as well as online, Walmart.com, Target.com. Chewy.com, petsmart.com, petco.com, Tractorsupply.com. all of them carry our food, but the key thing is, this is our charity. My wife and I don't take any salary from this. This is all about truly loving animals and wanting the very best. In addition, we provide support when people call us and they can call us anytime, night or day, and they can get help for their dogs. We show them how to properly feed their dogs, how to properly care for their dogs all of which adds years to each dog's life. And in the course of doing this with dogs, we have found that we are able to help cats live much longer. So starting in the month of uh, November, we're going to have our Gentle Giants cat food out, and it will all be same available by the same companies uh, online and in stores. And we've been very successful in our testing with cats. They're doing amazing on our food. So this is our charity. It's something we've devoted our lives to, helping animals live longer. And i got to tell you, there's so many dogs in America, like 80 million dogs in 67 million homes. And everybody I've ever talked to okay, is thrilled that now they can have a chance for their dogs to live so much longer and so much healthier.
1: Well, obviously we can talk so much about the charity and the food and everything you do and the website. But I'm curious to know before we move on, because you brought up about the food in general, what you guys are doing. I'd be curious to know what makes your food different compared to other brands of food that people are buying for their pets.
2: Okay. Great question. And actually there are lots of answers, but let me just give you a few uh, quickly. Uh, number one, um, when we went to make our food, we didn't have any expectation that it would do the wonders that it has turned out to do. We thought if we use the best ingredients, okay, and, and we can afford to do that. This, and this was for our rescue dogs. We, we never intended at the time to sell it. We're, we just couldn't stand to see our dogs dying so young. So we made it for our dogs. But what we did is we used our money to make the finest food available. Well, we found out something that was so disturbing to us, we've never gotten over it. And here's what we found out that all the dog food companies that I know of um, know something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content you put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. So, when dog food, if, you know, all you have to do is look at the guaranteed analysis which is um, a chart required um, by federal law on every bag of dog food, is right next to the ingredients, And it shows a percentage of fat. In fact, it's called crude fat because it's not healthy fat. They make you list the saturated fat, the crude fat that is in the food. Well, ours is only what's naturally in the food, which is 9%. Everybody else's that I've seen is 12 to 22%. That high fat content, if you, you remember the movie Supercharged Me? Or supersize me. Excuse me, supersize me. That was about a guy. That was about Morgan uh, um, um, Spurlock that had gone into a McDonald's, eaten every meal—breakfast, lunch, dinner—and a snack for a month in a McDonald's in Ohio. And at the end of the month, he gained 55 pounds and he almost died. Well, the high fat content makes you hungry and hungry and hungrier. So for an innocent animal that fed a, a high amount of fat, it just makes them eat more and eat more and eat more without getting the proper nutrition. It's like empty calories is what we call it. Empty calories, very little if any nutrition. So number one, we don't add all that fat to the, to, to the food on the inside. But on the outside, this is a really serious one. Any of your listeners, all they have to do, if they have a dog, go pick up your dog's food. Rub it in your fingers. Now it's not going to be dripping greasy. It's going to be slightly greasy. So you you feel it with your fingers, and you put the kibble down. You rub your fingers together. You feel that slightly greasy feeling. Or you uh, you put your hand inside the dog food bag and feel the, ins- the inside wall of the of the bag. You'll feel it. Or look at your dog's bowl after they've eaten. Feel it with your fingers. You're going to feel that grease and that fat. And and, and even the dog food looks shiny because the fat's been sprayed on after the food is made. Well, let me tell you how serious that is. We don't do that. If you feel our food is bone dry, okay, we don't fill it on the inside with fat and we don't coat it with a heavy coating of fat on the outside. But here's the difference. Most people know that you would never take bacon grease or chicken fat or anything and pour it down your garbage disposal because unlike water that evaporates, animal fat coagulates and when it hardens, it's like cement. So if you poured a a can of bacon grease down your garbage disposal, when it hardened, you'd be buying a new garbage disposal because you couldn't even clean it out. And here's the point of it. When you realize that animal fat, which coats dog food, will ruin a metal garbage disposal, what do you think is happening to the arteries and intestines of dogs when every single meal, every single kibble, every bite they take is encapsulated in animal fat? Now, I've just given you two giant reasons. There's many, many, many more reasons. But the point of it is our dogs are eating a food that is pure nutrition, no preservatives, no chemicals, nothing in there but pure nutrition. And because of getting that pure nutrition, their bodies last longer. They're running around like puppies in their mid-20s. And, and all you have to do is ask anybody who's ever had dogs in their life. Don't you recall that by the time your dog in the past was seven or eight years old, it started to have a problem getting up, started to have a problem walking? And within a few years, that dog couldn't get up anymore. And when a dog starts, pardon my language, pooping and peeing on itself, that's when people take it to the vet to be euthanized, even though the dog is mentally perfectly alert. And sadly, the dog trusts. It's master or pet parent because it's been with them for all these years. that It wouldn't ever harm them, and yet they're being put to death. So why is it that our dogs can run around like puppies in their mid-20s when other people's dogs can't get up anymore by the time they're 10 or 12 years of age? And that is because we teach people how we do it, which is to conserve a dog's energy. A dog only has so much energy. They're not designed as well as we are. That's why we as humans live so much longer than dogs. We show you how to conserve your dog's energy so it doesn't burn out. You know, on Batman, I'm sure you remember where we had the hourglasses, you know, it's like like you turn over this hourglass and the sands of time are running out and Batman and Robin are in tremendous danger. And when that final sand comes out of that hourglass, it's over for Batman and Robin. Well, kind of think of your dog's energy to be able to get up, to walk, to play, to run, just to, to live. That energy is like the sand coming out of an hourglass. It's going to come out and come out. And then when it comes all the way out, it's over. Well, what, what do we do that's so different? We slow it down. Just like if you had a drought where you live, your city might say, well, we have to ration water. We can't just let everybody use it up so quickly. Well, we have found a way to slow down the aging process by conserving the energy of the dog. As an example, we, we tell people, raise your dog food bowls. Every dog should be fed and drink water at a height that's such that they're, they don't lean down. They just tilt their head down. Now, they, you can buy these elevated feeders, but they're too low. You need to have it, I mean, for the most dogs, you need to have it, and every dog has a specific height. So when they come over, they just tilt their head down to eat or drink, not lean down. And you say, well, why is that so important? Well, if you think about it, your dog is eating and drinking, and for sure drinking all day long. So just think, when your dog comes over, has to lean down to get water, stand up and swallow, up and down and up and down. It prematurely wears their bodies out. And we have other techniques. We feed our dogs, for example, a minimum of five or more times a day smaller, more frequent meals. Why do we do that? Because if a dog eats a big meal, which is meaning feeding once or twice a day, the energy to digest the food is also wearing the dog's body out prematurely. And then we designed our food for dogs to eat less because the the less they eat, as long as they get maximum nutrition with minimum amount of food, which is obviously the opposite of what any dog food company would like. (laughs) They would never like that. But the, to eat less and get more nutrition, it allows the dog's body not to go through the massive digestive effort so much in their lifetime. All of this together produces dogs running around in their mid-20s like puppies and living healthy, active lives up to 27 and a half years. In fact, here at our home, we always have a minimum of 50 in our house, and you know that our dogs go to see a veterinarian only every 3 years for a $10 rabies update. That's how healthy our dogs are.
1: Well, if folks want to check out the either the food for their pet or the charity itself, everything's on the website right. com.
2: That's right. You're right. And they can watch videos. We've had television shows come out like, you know, Inside Edition. I'm sure you've heard of that television show. Yes, they I come have. Out with one of our dogs, her name is Tara. They came out to visit Tara when she was 25 years old. She's a Russian wolfhound with a traditional lifespan of seven to nine years. She was 25 years old when they came out, and they spent all day videotaping her and stuff like that. And the segment on Inside Edition, which we also have a copy of it on, on our generalgiantsdogfood.com website, but the title of the segment is Could this be the oldest pooch in the world? Well, they came out at 25, when she was 25, and she lived to 27 and a half years, still running around like a puppy until the last day. And by the way, when we do lose a dog, instead of losing it to illness or something bad happening, our dogs go to sleep, and like they always do every day or every night, and they just don't wake up. In other words, it's a horrible thing to lose a dog. But if they're going to die, that's probably the best way for it to happen.
1: Exactly. And like I said, you, everybody, if you have the time or want to learn more, check out the website. You know, all this information is there, the video segments, learn about the food, just everything they try to do there. Check that out. But I want to ask, getting into some of the fun stuff as far as Robin is concerned. Sure. Uh, for, for what you uh, uh excuse me. First day new mouth cut here. Uh what is the highlight, would you say, of getting to play Robin on that sixties version of the T V show, Batman?
2: Well, first of all, it was an amazing television show. It was different than anything that had ever been on television before. Um uh, and uh Back in the 60s, when we did Batman, um, there was a, a lot of, you know, like police shows where you'd watch, you know, police trying to apprehend somebody that had done something wrong, or medical shows where they're trying to save somebody that was, you know, very sick. And, and those were all kind of shows where you would watch them really as a third person. You know, you, you watch the, the, like the police and you watch the villain, and, but you're just watching it. Well, Batman. We took a whole different tact. Adam West and I, who have been friends for more than 50 years, Adam and I decided to do something different. In the way that we played our characters, we were reaching out through the television set to involve our, our audience and particularly our children. And, and I'll tell you something. If you ask anybody that watched Batman or grew up at the time, they'll tell you, like, oh, my gosh, I love Batman and Robin. I wanted to be Batman or I wanted to be Robin or my brother was Batman and I was Robin and we rode our tricycles around. I mean, we really affected people. And we did it in such a loving, fun, exciting, bigger than life. You know, people love things that that are bigger than, than, than reality. You know, and superheroes, just think, what a fantastic thing for a, a child to watch, you know, Heroes racing around in the Batmobile, climbing walls, fighting heinous villains, you know, all the kinds of things that Batman did. Well, for kids, it was hero worship. For adults, it was the nostalgia of the comic book because adults that were watching Batman recalled that they had probably most of them grown up reading comic books as children. So there was Batman comic books and Superman comic books. And then for the teenagers... During the 60s, that was the most difficult audience for television to capture, which was the teenagers and the college kids. And the reason for that was that was the cool period when everybody wanted to be outside during the day and night, not inside watching television. They wanted to be, you know, on a Friday night cruising their local – you know uh restaurant outdoor restaurant, you know driving their cars around, racing their engines up, and all that kind of stuff that at the time was like the cool thing to do so so we captured that audience too, and how did we do it? because Batman was written on one level as comedy, played straight for for the kids, humorous for the adults, but also we used a lot of innuendo and implications and double meanings in the things that Adam and I said that reached that, that audience that was so rebellious at that time. And they just loved it. I mean, at that time, like parents, the kids were so rebellious to parents that they would never say that the parent was right. So when I have a line like, gosh, Bruce, you're right. I mean, these college kids and teenagers would, would become hysterical laughing because it was so completely opposite of what was going on in real life. So there was so much fun. Everybody had fun. We made Batman something for everybody.
1: Well, I know from what I read in interviews and other things, you were a young buck at the time, around 20, when you got hired for the job. But do right. you remember specifically when it may have hit you over the head to say, hey, you know, we might actually have something here or realized that the show was going to be considered iconic?
2: Yes. Well, let, let me tell you. When I was making Batman, just imagine, here, here I am, 20 years old, going on 21. I was by far the youngest person on that set. The closest person in age to me was Adam, who was 37, and I, and I was 20, right? And then all of the crew, these are these pros that, that the studio hired, like the best cameramen and the best sound guys. And these guys were in their 50s. So there wasn't anybody my age for me to relate to or spend time to. And when you go on a soundstage, it's this giant building that's very cold on the inside because of the air conditioning with all the hot lights and stuff. And it's very cold in there. And it's very quiet because the walls are padded to keep airplane noise and stuff out. And it takes 45 minutes to light a scene that I get up and do for 30 seconds. I mean, just think. You wait 45 minutes to work for 30 seconds. Then you wait another 45 minutes to work for 30 seconds. And, that go, and then what do you do all of, during that time? Well, you, you sit around, you read a book. You, I mean, you, you, making a, a, a TV series like Batman was not like you see it when it's all put together. So on opening night of January 12, 1966, I went back to my little apartment. And I, 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 I turned on the TV, and I watched Batman, and what I saw, you know, and heard the theme music, you know, and, and, and the color, and the POWs with the fight scenes, and the, and, the, and the signs like villain's hideouts, and the angled photograph, and I'm telling you, I said, this is really good. And guess what? Everybody else in the country felt that as well. In fact, on opening night of Batman, we had a 55 share, okay? And what that means is of all the televisions that were on in North America, including Mexico, Canada, and the U.S., of all the television shows that were on, 55% were watching Batman, and the other 45%... Were spread out among dozens of, of local, regional, and a few broadcast networks, CBS and NBC. Because at the time we were on ABC, which was a syndicated network. And the long and short of it was, this was higher ratings than what would have equivalent been for a Super Bowl. That's how high the ratings were. And the minute the next day, every newspaper in America, front pages, Batman and Robin land in Gotham City and it became a whirlwind I mean just it's just everybody wanted interviews it, it was the hottest show in the entire world and because it was on twice a week we were number one and number two uh, every week in terms of the ratings
1: well when you, obviously you get scripts weekly and all to do new episodes and such how much that was written in the script ended up making screen, and how much would you say was changed? Hey, why don't we try this, or why don't we try that to make things better?
2: Uh, For the most part, we followed the script. But because there were 32 different writers on Batman, not all of them got the humor. Not all of them got, you know, the feel of the show. You you see what I'm saying? And so, as a result, I really only... And, and I was allowed to change, you know, with the permission of the director, my dialogue to make it more, quote, Robin, or um, Adam was, you know, could make his Batman line. But for the most part, you know, because the lines were very simple and straightforward, you know, like, let's go, Robin. And I say, you know, to the Batmobile. So those those lines were, were pretty much straightforward. Um, we didn't have big paragraphs to say, you know, even when we confronted the villains, you know, it was usually short and to the point because our show was mainly action, and the action was terrific, you know. I mean, the only thing I would say that was difficult is that we had a much bigger crew of workers. Normally a crew has about 30 people on it, but ours was like 80 because we had so many effects, so many things the contraptions that they were trying giant birthday cakes that Batman and Robin were supposedly sinking in with quicksand. And I mean, and things that we were shot out of this or cannons or, Oh my gosh, it is so much. And it and it took a tremendous amount of time and effort of people to create those setups that had these effects in them.
1: Well, speaking of that, and some of the stuff I was reading prior to that, uh, chat with you here. I heard that you had your share of bumps and bruises being an action show. How much oh, uh, absolutely
2: yeah well can let me talk you, about
1: some of that
2: Yeah in the first week okay and and by, and by the way to make each episode took about a week. Took about a week to make each thirty minute episode. You know what I mean? And we did a hundred and twenty of them. Okay. But in the first week I was in the emergency hospital four out of the first five days. It was second-degree burns with broken nose. This was a really dangerous show. I wasn't sure I was going to survive the first week. It was so dangerous. I mean, as a quick example, my first shot at playing the character Robin, the first one, okay, was in Bronson Canyon in the Hollywood Hills. It's it's where the Batcave was supposed to be, or over the set was for the Batcave, and uh, I got dressed, and I'm there on the set like 6.30 in the morning, and had to be in costume and makeup by 7. They're going to start shooting at 7.30, and they say to me, Bert, uh, okay, we've got the Batmobile inside this cave here. I want you to go in, in that cave, and, and it's dark there, so just your eyes are going to have to adjust to it. Get in the Batmobile, and uh, Batman's going to drive out uh, at about 55 miles an hour very fast, make a sharp left turn, and and go over this sign that's going to pop up that says Gotham City 14 miles. That's the shot, okay? In other words, you're rushing to the Gotham City. So what happened was is that I went into the cave, and it sure was, it was dark in there, and I kind of found the Batmobile and got inside, and, and I first saw, it, and I looked over, and I thought that was Adam, because, you know, he was in Batman's outfit. But you know how sometimes you get a feeling that something's a little different? And I said, Adam? He said, no, my name's Hubie. I said, oh, well, why isn't Adam here? He says, because I'm a stunt man and this is a very dangerous stunt, and the studio doesn't want to take a chance of Adam West getting hurt. So he's doing – he's over there having coffee, and I'm in here doing this dangerous stunt. I said, oh, well, that's good. And I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> if it's that dangerous – Adam's
1: getting have, one <laughs> – do,
2: do I have a stunt man? He says, yeah, you have one. I said, well, that's good. Well, but where is he? Oh, last time I saw him, he was having coffee with Adam West. I said, well, no, wait a minute. If this is so dangerous, why are they using me? He said, well, I don't know. And, and I'll, all of a sudden I hear him. I said, okay, roll up the cave. Let's go. We're going to shoot. And I said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think there's a terrible mistake. They come running over. Bert, what's the problem? I said, this man, he, he tells me he's a stuntman. Yeah, well, that's right. He's a stuntman. Yeah, yeah, but he tells me this is... A really dangerous shot. Yeah, yeah, we know that. And he tells me that I have a stunt man. That that they're not using the stunt man. He's having coffee with Adam West. And, and why am I sitting here if it's so dangerous? He said, Oh, well, we can't use the stunt man. Oh, I said, Well, why not? Well, he doesn't look like you. I said, Well, why would you hire someone to be my stunt man if he doesn't look like me? Well, we couldn't find anybody else. So you have to do the stunt because when we come up close to the camera, we're going to see it's your face. And and the stunt man has a real big nose and he, everybody's going to know that that's not Burt Ward. I said, oh, okay. All right. So uh, so now they close it up and, and, and the stunt man says to me, you better hold on really tight. I said, oh, what I? There's no seat belt, right? There's no door handle to get out. There's. There's nothing but that little thin fiberglass windshield to hold on to that's only about a quarter of an inch thick. So here I'm grabbing onto that windshield, right? And, and let me tell you, when they say action and, and okay, that he roars that Batmobile with a 500-horsepower engine. I mean, he's just stuntman. I mean, he, he's like a race car driver. He roars that engine. We come shooting out. I'm thrown against the back of the seat and just getting faster and faster. And we're coming at 55 miles an hour directly at the camera. And at the last second, he makes that sharp turn. And when he makes the turn, unexpectedly and unintentionally, my door flies open. It hadn't been shut properly. This was unexpected. When the door flew open, it knocked the cameraman off his little camera truck. It knocked a giant arc lamp, one of these giant lamps, okay, That if it, it, and it fell, but if it landed on somebody, it would have killed them for sure. And I knocked that down. I was thrown towards the opening of the door, and just out of, I don't know, just out of response, I threw my arm behind me, and luckily, my little finger wrapped around the gear shift knob, and it kept me from falling out, but it pulled my finger out of joint, which is incredibly painful. So here it is now, the car stops, and there's dust everywhere, and they come, and they get him out of the car, and they get me out, and they say, Bert, are you okay? I said, I think I'm okay, but my hand is killing me, and you can see, even with my glove on, that my little finger was like twice its normal size already. They said, oh my gosh, you've pulled your finger out of joint. we got to get you to a hospital. I said, okay, okay. So I get out of the Batmobile. They help me out, and I said, well, wh- where's, where's the car going to take me to the hospital? Oh we can't we can't let you go now I can't go now, no, well,, why not? We didn't get the shot. It's thirty thousand dollars every ten minutes to make this show. We can't have you leave for several hours. It could cost a half a million dollars. You've got to stay here and do the shot. That was at seven forty five in the morning. I didn't leave for the hospital till noon and had to do the shot. Several times more before they finally got it right. Wait. That was day one. Guess what? Day two, I was back in the hospital with another second-degree burn from an explosion of a car that blew up that wasn't supposed to blow up. And then the third day, I, I was I was I was tied down to a table. And Batman is supposed to blow a hole through uh, through the subway wall to rescue me. Well, the the set builders were supposed. To have built a breakaway wall that's using balsa wood it's, it, it just it looks like real wood but it just comes apart easy you know and they they yeah. use what's called a magnesium charge which is like a big huge bang but it doesn't do a lot of damage you know what i'm saying it, it's not like a well guess what the people that built the set forgot to build a breakaway wall they built it with two by fours like your house is built and there's no time. There's no three weeks to rebuild the set. So what did the special effects guys do on the set? They used two half sticks of dynamite and nearly blew the entire sound stage down.
0: Oh and when they
2: did that, a two-by-four came down. I tied down on a table, and it landed on my nose and broke my nose. Back to the hospital. And with three, excuse me, four out of the first five days.
1: So, the key question with all that in that answer there, please tell me you got a stunt adjustment in your pay.
2: No, no. They felt I was already making too much money at $350 a week to co-star in a series. it was my first job. $350 a week was my pay.
1: Now, the second year,
2: it took a big jump up. It went from $350 a week. This is 14 hour days in that hot costume. It went from $350 a week till I made the big money at $450 a week. <laughs> and then the oh third boy. season, that's when I, I made the killing at $600 a week for half a season.
1: Oh boy. Moving to the islands, baby.
2: But you know something? It was still a fantastic show. I love working with the great stars. Adam was fantastic. I mean, it was so much fun. And riding in the Batmobile, climbing the walls, the fight scenes. I'm a black belt in karate at the time. I was a brown belt. I, I love the fight It was just a lot of fun.
1: Well, we can keep you on the phone all day, but, you know, I'm not going to do it. General Giant's Dog Food, if you want to check out the charity that Bert, his wife run they got information about the food the dogs just different things that they do trying to help as many animals as possible Bert thank you so much
2: well thank you for a wonderful interview and I'd like to close by saying to the Batmobile citizens
0: With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Jeff. Yeah. Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about.
2: Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith.
0: Hi, this is Dean Cumdy. I'm talking to you with great delight on Crazy Train Radio.